0: Section One of the Turkish Embassy Letters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Midland, Oakland, California. The Turkish Embassy Letters by Lady Mary Wortley Montague. Letters to her sister and friends during the embassy of Mr. Wortley. From 1716 to 1718. Letter 1. Rotterdam, August 3, O.S., 1716. I flatter myself, dear sister, that I shall give you some pleasure in letting you know that I have safely passed the sea, though we had the ill fortune of a storm. We were persuaded by the captain of the yacht to set out in a calm, and he pretended there was nothing so easy as to tide it over. But, after two days slowly moving, the wind blew so hard that none of the sailors could keep their feet, and we were all Sunday night tossed very handsomely. I never saw a man more frighted than the captain. For my part, I have been so lucky neither to suffer from fear nor seasickness, though I confess I was so impatient to see myself once more upon dry land that I would not stay till the yacht could get to Rotterdam, but went in the longboat to Helvetsluis, where we had voitures to carry us to the Brill. I was charmed with the neatness of that little town, but my arrival at Rotterdam presented me a new scene of pleasure all the streets are paved with broad stones and before many of the meanest artificers doors are placed seats of variously coloured marbles so neatly kept that i assure you i walked almost all over the town yesterday incognita in my slippers without receiving one spot of dirt and you may see the dutch maids washing the pavement of the street with more application than ours do our bedchambers the town seems so full of people with such busy faces all in motion that i can hardly fancy it is not some celebrated fair but i see it is every day the same tis certain no town can be more advantageously situated for commerce there are seven large canals on which the merchants ships come up to the very doors of their houses the shops and warehouses are of a surprising neatness and magnificence filled with an incredible quantity of fine merchandise, and so much cheaper than what we see in England, that I have much ado to persuade myself I am still so near it. Here is neither dirt nor beggary to be seen. One is not shocked with those loathsome cripples so common in London, nor teased with the importunity of idle fellows and wenches that choose to be nasty and lazy." The common servants and little shopwomen here are more nicely clean than most of our ladies, and the great variety of neat dresses, every woman dressing her head after her own fashion, is an additional pleasure in seeing the town. You see, hitherto, dear sister, I make no complaints, and if I continue to like travelling as well as I do at present, I shall not repent my project.' It will go a great way in making me satisfied with it if it affords me an opportunity of entertaining you. But it is not from Holland that you may expect a disinterested offer. I can write enough in the style of Rotterdam to tell you plainly, in one word, that I expect returns of all the London news. You see, I have already learned to make a good bargain, and that it is not for nothing I will so much as tell you I am your affectionate sister.' Letter two, Vienna, September eighth, O.S., seventeen sixteen. I am now, my dear sister, safely arrived in Vienna, and I thank God have not at all suffered in my health, nor, what is dearer to me, in that of my child's, by all our fatigues. We travelled by water from Ratisbon, a journey perfectly agreeable down the Danube, in one of those little vessels that they very properly call wooden houses, having in them all the conveniences of a palace—stoves in the chambers, kitchens, etc. They are rowed by twelve men each, and move with such incredible swiftness, that in the same day you have the pleasure of a vast variety of prospects— And, within the space of a few hours, you have the pleasure of seeing a populous city adorned with magnificent palaces and the most romantic solitudes which appear distant from the commerce of mankind, the banks of the Danube being charmingly diversified with woods, rocks, mountains covered with vines, fields of corn, large cities, and ruins of ancient castles. I saw the great towns of Passau and Linz, famous for the retreat of the imperial court when Vienna was besieged. This town, which has the honor of being the emperor's residence, did not at all answer my ideas of it being much less than I expected to find it. The streets are very close, and so narrow, one cannot observe the fine fronts of the palaces, though many of them very well deserve observation being truly magnificent. They are built of fine white stone and are excessively high, for as the town is too little for the number of the people that desire to live in it, the builders seem to have projected to repair that misfortune by clapping one town on top of the other, most of the houses being five and some of them six stories. You may easily imagine that the streets being so narrow, the rooms are extremely dark and what is an inconvenience much more intolerable in my opinion, there is no house that has so few as five or six families in it. The apartments of the greatest ladies, and even of the ministers of state, are divided but by a partition from that of a tailor or shoemaker, and I know nobody that has above two floors in any house, one for their own use, and one higher for their servants those that have houses of their own let out the rest of them to whoever will take them and thus the great stairs which are all of stone are as common and as dirty as the street tis true when you have once travelled through them nothing can be more surprisingly magnificent than the apartments they are commonly a suite of eight or ten large rooms all inlaid the doors and windows richly carved and gilt and the furniture such as is seldom seen in the palaces of sovereign princes in other countries. Their apartments are adorned with hangings of the finest tapestry of Brussels, prodigious large looking-glasses in silver frames, fine Japan tables, beds, chairs, canopies, and window curtains of the richest Genoa damask, or velvet, almost covered with gold lace or embroidery. The whole is made gay by pictures, and vast jars of Japan-China, and in almost every room large lustres of rock-crystal. I have already had the honour of being invited to dinner by several of the first people of quality, and I must do them the justice to say the good taste and magnificence of their tables very well answered to that of their furniture. I have been more than once entertained with fifty dishes of meat all served in silver and well dressed, the dessert proportionable served in the finest china. But the variety and richness of their wines is what appears the most surprising. The constant way is to lay a list of their names upon the plates of the guests along with the napkins, and I have counted several times to the number of eighteen different sorts all exquisite in their kinds. I was yesterday at Count Schonbrunn, the vice-chancellor's garden, when I was invited to dinner. I must own I never saw a place so perfectly delightful as the Faubourg of Vienna. It is very large and almost wholly composed of delicious palaces. If the emperor found it proper to permit the gates of the town to be laid open that the Faubourg might be joined to it, he would have one of the largest and best-built cities in europe count schonbrunn's villa is one of the most magnificent the furniture all rich brocades so well fancied and fitted up nothing can look more gay and splendid not to speak of a gallery full of rarities of coral mother-of-pearl etc and throughout the whole house a profusion of gilding, carving, fine paintings, the most beautiful porcelain statues of alabaster and ivory, and vast orange and lemon trees in gilt pots. The dinner was perfectly fine and well ordered, and made still more agreeable by the good humor of the Count. Letter three, Prague, November 17, O.S., 1716. I hope my dear sister wants no new proofs of my sincere affection for her. But I am sure, if you do, I could not give you a stronger than writing at this time after three days—or, more properly speaking, three nights and days—hard post-traveling. The kingdom of Bohemia is the most desert of any I have seen in Germany. The villages are so poor, and the post-houses so miserable that clean straw and fair water are blessings not to be met with, and better accommodations not to be hoped for. Though I carried my own bed with me, I could not sometimes find a place to set it up in, and I rather chose to travel all night as cold as it is, wrapped up in my furs, than to go into the common stoves, which are filled with a mixture of all sorts of ill scents this town was once the royal seat of the bohemian kings and is still the capital of the kingdom there are yet some remains of its former splendor being one of the largest towns in germany but for the most part old-built and thinly inhabited which makes the houses very cheap those people of quality who cannot easily bear the expense of vienna choose to reside here where they have assemblies, music, and all other diversions, those of a court excepted, at very moderate rates, all things being here in great abundance, especially the best wild fowl I have ever tasted. I have already been visited by some of the most considerable ladies, whose relations I know at Vienna. They are dressed after the fashions there, after the manner that the people at Exeter imitate those of London, that is, Their imitation is more excessive than the original. Tis not easy to describe what extraordinary figures they make. The person is so much lost between headdress and petticoat that they have as much occasion to write upon their backs, This is a woman, for the information of travelers, as ever signpost painter had to write, This is a bear. Letter four, Vienna. January 16th. O.S. 1717 I am now, dear sister, to take leave of you for a long time, and of Vienna forever, designing to-morrow to begin my journey through Hungary, in spite of the excessive cold and deep snows, which are enough to damp a greater courage than I am mistress of. But my principles of passive obedience carry me through everything— I have had my audience of leave of the empress. His imperial majesty was pleased to be present when I waited on the reigning empress, and after a very obliging conversation, both their imperial majesties invited me to take Vienna in my road back. But I have no thoughts of enduring over again so great a fatigue. I delivered a letter from the Duchess of Blankenburg. I stayed a few days at that court, though Her Highness pressed me very much to stay, and when I left her, engaged me to write to her. I wrote you a long letter from thence, which I hope you have received, though you don't mention it. But I believe I forgot to tell you one curiosity in all the German courts, which I cannot forbear taking notice of. All the princes keep favorite dwarves. THE EMPEROR AND EMPRESS KEEP TWO OF THESE LITTLE MONSTERS AS UGLY AS DEVILS, ESPECIALLY THE FEMALE, BUT THEY ARE ALL BEDAUBED WITH DIAMONDS, AND STAND AT HER MAJESTY'S ELBOW IN ALL PUBLIC PLACES. THE DUKE OF Wolfenbuttel HAS ONE, AND THE Duchess OF BLANKENBURG IS NOT WITHOUT HERS, BUT INDEED, THE MOST PROPORTIONABLE I EVER SAW. I AM TOLD THE KING OF DENMARK HAS SO FAR IMPROVED UPON THIS FASHION THAT HIS DWARF IS HIS CHIEF MINISTER. I can assign no reason for their fondness for these pieces of deformity, but the opinion all the absolute princes have, that it is below them to converse with the rest of mankind. And, not to be quite alone, they are forced to seek their companions among the refuse of human nature, these creatures being the only part of their court privileged to talk freely to them. I am at present confined to my chamber by a sore throat, and am really glad of the excuse to avoid seeing people that I love well enough to be very much mortified when I think I am going to part with them forever. It is true, the Austrians are not commonly the most polite people in the world nor the most agreeable, but Vienna is inhabited by all nations and I had formed to myself a little society of such as were perfectly to my own taste. And though the number was not very great, I could never pick up, in any other place, such a number of reasonable, agreeable people. We were almost always together, and you know I have ever been of opinion that a chosen conversation, composed of a few that one esteems, is the greatest happiness of life." Here are some Spaniards of both sexes that have all the vivacity and generosity of sentiments anciently ascribed to their nation, and could I believe that the whole kingdom were like them, I would wish nothing more than to end my days there. The ladies of my acquaintance have so much goodness for me, they cry whenever they see me since I have determined to undertake this journey. And indeed... I am not very easy when I reflect on what I am going to suffer. Almost everybody I see frights me with some new difficulty. Prince Eugene has been so good as to say all the things he could to persuade me to stay till the Danube is thawed, that I may have the conveniency of going by water, assuring me that the houses in Hungary are such as are no defense against the weather, and that i shall be obliged to travel three or four days between buddha and essex without finding any house at all through desert plains covered with snow where the cold is so violent many have been killed by it I own these terrors have made a very deep impression on my mind because i believe he tells me things truly as they are and nobody can be better informed of them now i have named that great man I am sure you expect i should say something particular of him having the advantage of seeing him very often but i am as unwilling to speak of him at vienna as i should be to talk of hercules in the court of umphale if i had seen him there i don't know what comfort other people find in considering the weakness of great men because perhaps it brings them nearer to their level But tis always a mortification to me to observe that there is no perfection in humanity. The young Prince of Portugal is the admiration of the whole court. He is handsome and polite with a great vivacity. All the officers tell wonders of his gallantry in the last campaign. He is lodged at court with all the honours due his rank. Adieu, dear sister. This is the last account you will have from me of Vienna. If I survive my journey, you shall hear from me again. I can say with great truth in the words of Moneses, I have long learned to hold myself as nothing. But when I think of the fatigue my poor infant must suffer, I have all a mother's fondness in my eyes and all her tender passions in my heart. End of section 1 Recording by Nancy Midland Oakland, California.